spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, happy Monday. Welcome to Region Review. Matt Miguez here. Cajuns baseball gets the sweep of North Alabama this weekend. Softball takes two out of three against Monroe. Both teams getting softball getting ready for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Baseball has Southern tomorrow before going to Arlington this weekend. We'll dive into that later this week. Now we want to bring you a very interesting interview that we were able to do uh, on Friday. We sat down with UL basketball legend Brad Boyd, talk about his playing career, talk about his coaching journey, this, that, and the other, and just share some insight on ways to kind of improve the basketball program a little bit, kind of get it out of the rut that it seems to seems to be in. So uh, we're going to play that for you now. Um, it's a great interview. We really appreciate Brad joining us. As always, and like I said, we will come back later in the week with information on baseball and softball. So enjoy the interview, and as always, go Cajuns. Welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez here. Happy Friday to you, Cajun Nation. We're about to have some fun uh, sitting down with a Cajuns legend on the hardwood. Jerry Abair and Josh Jagno here with me as always. And we are joined, like I said, by a Cajuns basketball legend, Mr. Brad Boyd. Brad, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, I've taken time out of your, your busy coaching schedule and whatnot. Uh, we, we appreciate you joining us. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. I'm I'm excited to be here, man. I went back and listened to a couple of you guys' podcasts, man. I'm really excited. Love what y'all doing. I love how y'all put it all together. Uh, the intro, how you come in with the podcast, it's just really been nice to go back and listen to some of those interviews. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate somebody bragging on me for a little bit. That's that's always that's always fun. But you know, obviously, we're talking about you know your playing career and your coaching career and all that stuff um, at UL. You know, you were a thousand point scorer. You hold the school record for three-pointers made in a season, 271. And then you also hold the record for assists in a game with 17. You know, talk about that. Talk about playing for the legendary coach, Jesse Evans, playing with guys like Antoine Landry, Brian Hamilton, Anthony Johnson, you know, guys like that. Talk about that for a bit. Man, those, you know, going back to those times are extremely exciting times for me and, you know, my family being able to, you know, be right here and play in the Cajun Dome and my family be able to come to all the games. My mom and dad never missed a game. Uh, my uncles and aunts would come to a lot of the games, you know. Um, you know, you brought up that assist record in the Cajun Dome, and I like to rub it in on Anthony Johnson a little bit because in that game, I think he missed two lobs. Uh, for easy dunks, you know, when you're the Easter Bunny, you can jump out of the gym. Those dunks should be really easy. Well, he missed two lobs during the game, uh, which would have put me for the all-time school record. It would have passed Ted Lyles 
for the school record. So every time I run into Ann, I always, always kind of jab him a little bit about missing those two easy dunks when I pass the ball to, you know, so, but I'll take the Cajun Dome record as a basketball player. You know, when you step outside of the team goals and the, and, and the team awards and stuff, you know, you want to set some records if you have any kind of uh, competitive nature to yourself. And, you know, I wanted the assist record. I wanted the three point record. And um, those are some of the things that I went out and accomplished, man. And it was really fun. And, and then speaking on those guys that I played with, I mean, the class that I came in with, with Antoine Landry and Larry Bridges, you know, we stayed for four years. We wanted to be raging Cajuns. We wanted to represent our school. I want to represent where I was from right here in the Cadiana area, Opelousas, and then by way of Lafayette. Um, and it just was really exciting playing with those guys and finishing with those guys. And then you drop the name like Anthony Johnson and Orion Green, uh, Dwayne Mitchell, um, Larry Bridges, you know, and even my first year to get to play alongside the guys of uh, Lonnie Thomas, Reggie DeGray, Brett Smith, those senior guys that had went to the NCAA tournament um, and just showed you the path of what it takes. You know, when I got there my freshman year to go to the weight room with Coach Gannon and seeing how swole Lonnie Thomas and Reggie DeGray, how huge those guys were, I was a little intimidated. And then I met Coach Gannon, the strength coach, and I was even more intimidated because that guy was nuts, man. He was he was a good nuts, though. He, he really got the most out of us and – you know, just was a, a good experience to learn from some older guys. And then whenever you got the torch, you know, we did what we were supposed to do. We went to the NCAA tournament, um, you know, and still to this day, man, I'm huge. I, I, I don't know if it, if I consider myself a fan because I am. a I, I like the Cajuns. I, I like watching the games and going to the games, but I still feel like I'm part of the program, you know. So, um, you know, like I said, it's just been real exciting uh, to actually play for your hometown team. And that was my goal. And uh, was to stay at home. I had a couple different options to go out of state and do things like that. But man, once I saw UL play in that NCAA game against Tennessee and how they held their own and knowing that most of the team was coming back, I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be a part of Jesse Evans' program. And, and that's how it ended up, you know, and the rest is history. Brad, when you have that many records, you're always part of the program, buddy. So you, <laughs> you, you feel that, that you feel that way for a reason. But uh, so your senior year was the year before my freshman year at UL. And we I mean, Cajun Dome was rocking back then. It was a whole lot of fun. Like you said, it was a little bit of showtime. It was it was winning, but it was it was highlight reel every night on the court. And that was a lot of fun. But my favorite memories from those days was going down to the dirty, the dirty pub in the, the McKinley area and seeing the basketball guys sticking up above everybody and <laughs> always trying to always try to talk to those guys when they were out. I want you to kind of mention a little bit to the young pups that don't even know what McKinley is anymore, what the nightlife was like back in those days. Well, missing out. They're right. Missing yeah, out. Definitely, definitely missing out. When you know, it was a hop skipping from campus to get over there. And, um, you know, I use this, I use this phrase all the time. You know, we were in Lafayette, broke college kids, but you know, guys in those bars and the fraternities, they cheated us like NBA players. I mean, we walked past the lines. We walked straight into the clubs, straight into the bars. I wasn't much of a drinker, you know, being an athlete, wanted to stay in shape as best I could. But finally, somebody convinced me to start drinking this drink. They named the drink after me called a B-boy, a little bit of vodka, a little bit of Malibu, a little splash of cranberry. And, you know, it tasted kind of good. So I, I would start drinking that a little bit, you know, in the off season. Um, but you know, it's funny. I'd walk into the bar with a couple of my teammates, say two or three of us. And when I would get to the bar, I'd turn around and it'd be 30 people right there waiting. Like, let me get a drink. And they would take care of us. That first round, Josh Landry, those guys, you know, Mr. George Favalor, guys that took care of us when we went out at nightcaps or the keg, they would let me get that first round on free, whether it be 10 drinks or 20 drinks, we'd line them all up, pass them out to the guys that were behind us. So, cause you know, it just was a good feeling the way, 
the community, the way my uh, fellow students, you know, when you played ball there, uh, they just treated us real well off the court. I mean, shout out to Old Time Grocery for all the free po' boys. I mean, I, I wouldn't have made it through college. You know, we were definitely on a budget, you know, $5 at a time. You know, myself and all my teammates uh, were just broke college kids, you know, trying to play basketball and a free meal here and there or uh, a free entry to the club was 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 a highlight of our, you know, especially if you work hard all week and you want to go celebrate and have a little fun after a big game or, you know, that Friday or Saturday night. It just was always really fun. I mean, um, just to hang out, like you said, you know, you, you got noticed, you got noticed by everybody, which was, you know, kind of would, would, would bring you up, man. And then I, I, I use that. We, a lot of our players, man, we use that motivation because when we go play in the games, we didn't want to lose. We didn't want to lose in that cage and because you lose. And this is no disrespect to any of the football guys that were there, uh, at the same time that I played basketball, but they got no love. They had to come into the clubs with us. They they were waiting in lines when we walked by. And if we were cool with some of those football guys, hey, come, you know, y'all walk in with us, you know. And that's just what it was at the time. Basketball was king. Um, you know, all those guys uh, set the path for us. Reggie DeGray, I know I missed those guys. Brett Smith, Orlando Butler, Lonnie Thomas. Those guys set the set the tone for us. And once they left, we kind of just took that torch and kept rolling with it. And uh, that excitement off the court on the court led to, you know, people wanting to be around us. People wanted to come to their bars, come to their clubs, hang out with us. You know, we were all really cool guys. We weren't, nobody on our team was like a stuck up guy. Like don't talk to me or don't, it wasn't nothing like that. We were real cool with everybody. We want those same people to come to our games and, and make those Cajun on games really exciting. I don't think people understand uh, uh, unless you're a real, real true, true fan that, you know, 5,000, 7,000 people in the Cajun on, that's an extra 10 points a game no matter how you're playing, no matter if you're shooting well or not, it just brings something that it just pumps you up. I mean, I can barely dunk in college. And once that crowd got screaming, I felt like I touched the top of the backboard or shoot from half court or whatever it was. It just, it just added something. So that off the court and on the court played hand in hand of how you're going to handle yourself, you know, accordingly. I'm glad you brought that up about momentum at home because I remember I, I went to high school in New Orleans and of course I had ties to Lafayette. My cousin played on the baseball team around the same time you played uh, for, for, for Coach Evans on the basketball team. And I'll never forget, um, it's funny, it's ironic because I was just about to ask about this, Brad. The game I remember in high school, uh, we, we made a trip because my cousin had played early on. Uh, they were playing like Texas State and then we went get some food and you guys played UNO. And in New Orleans, even in New Orleans, like I grew up around a lot of UNO alumni. I got family that went there. Actually, my uncle was at the game with me. He's a, he was a UNO grad, big time supporter. And it was always in the 90s, UNO versus USL. That was the big basketball matchup oh, yeah. in the Cajun Dome and in, in, in the Lakefront Arena. And I remember uh, this was 2003, your junior year. Uh, you guys were on a little bit of a win streak. Uh, I think they were t- you were tied for first place in the, in the Sun Belt as a whole like Western Kentucky. Of course, you always in the hunt with Western yeah. Kentucky. Always. And it was, I think they had about 8,000 people in the Cajun Dome that night. It was my first real experience of like a packed Cajun Dome. And you were the one who, who went on, who, who caused the team to go on a run. I think UNO, that's when they had, I think, maybe Bo McCaleb was on that team. I'm not sure. But UNO just showed up that night. I think we started a little slow. They went on like this long run. They were up by like 10 with like about 15 minutes to go in the second half. You shot a three and put the team back in it. And I'll never forget, we went on like this 15 to three run or something yeah. to tie it up. I just remember the noise and the crowd and how much the crowd got into it. 8,000 people. I'm getting into it as a 14 year old young fan. And it just, it, it makes me wonder like, you know, 
when can we go back to those days? You know, it's, it's hard to see it now because every time I go into the Cajun Dome, Cajun Dome now, the attendance is obviously not quite what it was. And I think back to that game when you came out just guns blazing in the second half. And it's like, man, like if we could go back to that, no telling where we could be as a program just from the fan support as well as players wanting to come play in that environment as well. You know, that, that's, that's, that's some great points. That's some great insight because still, you know, we're talking about 16, 17, 20 years ago, you know, that, that this went on and we're still talking about this. I can go to a Cajun Dome game last year, this year coming up as I walk into the game and go to my seat, the same people are going to ask me the same thing, man, you got another year left. You can put a Jersey on tonight, uh, shoot some threes for us, whatever it is. Uh, and, and because they know they're feeling like you're feeling like, man, we want it back to how it was, how, you know, when those teams came in, when a UNO came in or a Western Kentucky came in, those fans were going to be there and they were going to go nuts. They, you know, the student section had the, the student section had the roster of the opposing team's mom and dad's names. If they had brothers or sisters or whatever it was, it just was a heckle, heckle session that they was going to get on that team. Um, and that UNO game, I remember that game specifically. That was because that was a rivalry. Us, UNO, Western Kentucky. Us and UNO was kind of the Cajuns rivalry, the, the Lafayette rivalry, and the conference rivalry was us and Western Kentucky. We were going head to head every other year for the conference title. But, you know, you know, and it's amazing that a three pointer can get the crowd just as hype as a slam dunk. I mean, I can remember, you know, going back and watching film. Uh, just of your highlights when you pull up the shooter three and everybody's standing up, everybody holding their hands up before you shoot it. And, you know, it just, and then when it went in, the crowd would go nuts or, you know, and I used to tell people all the time, like the, my most favorite thing about playing at UL uh, was making great passes, like, you know, throwing lobs to Dwayne Mitchell, throwing lobs to the Easter Bunny. Yeah. Hiking it. But people ask me about that all the time. How, what, what were you thinking? I said, you know, in the game of basketball, you don't think. You just react. And that just was what my reaction was to snap that ball between my legs to Dwayne Mitchell ends up with an and one dunk. You couldn't have drawn that up any better, but those moments uh, were just so exciting. And I don't know the real answer of how do we get back uh, to that right now with, uh, with the current staff and the current players. I don't know. You have to go out and win. You have to go out and do some exciting things. You said it right. Every game we played with Anthony Johnson and Dwayne Mitchell and Orion Green. And even when they had, when I first got here, Orlando Butler and Billy Jones, those guys were dunking four or five times every game that brought the hype uh, to the Cajun on a slam dunk and one dunk ferocious defense. And I know people are going to laugh when they hear that Brad boy talking about defense, but the guys around me, that played on the, on the starting five with me, they were really great defensive guys. And that really made it hard on opposing teams to get anything going. And then when the transition buckets started happening, that's when the crowd would go crazy, man. And just runs a 12 0 run, a 15 to three run, you know, and uh, you know, you just have to have as a player, you have to have a little uh, intensity, a little flair with you to, you know, if I ask y'all right now to name 10 people on the roster, you guys maybe could, but the general fan probably couldn't. But 20 years ago, you asked a guy to name the roster, they got to know Laree Bridges, Brian Hamilton, Brad Boyd, Orion Green, Tyrus Wade, Anthony Johnson. You just, you, you related to those guys and you were you almost a part of them because you know when the school ended that day and we had a basketball game, y'all know where y'all was going. Y'all was going to the Cajun on to see that excitement, you know? So I wanted to be back. I wanted to get back. It can get back. We got the best facility in the state of Louisiana for college college sports, and it, it deserves to get back the way it was back when we played. Hey, Brad, you mentioned, you know, and look, I understand that things have changed a lot in 20 years, but it seemed like when you guys played under Jesse, 
you had some freedom to throw a pass like that, shoot a ball from 35 feet, um, you know, maybe improvise on certain things. Do you feel like now, and this is not necessarily an indictment on the coaches we have now, this is just across the board from all college basketball that I watch. Seems like everything is so micromanaged now compared to 20 years ago. Do you feel that that's true? And do you feel that maybe we need to give players freedom to play? I'm, I'm definitely, I'm a player's coach. And when I played for Jesse Evans, he was the ultimate player coach. I mean, uh, I, I tell this people, you know what? I called Jesse Evans about a year ago and we were talking, just reminiscing and stuff. And I thanked him. And he said, well, why are you thanking me, Brad? You know, I said, you allowed me to shoot 300 threes a, game, a season. You allowed me to shoot all the time, you know? And uh, he said, well, that's what we needed, Brad. That's what we wanted you to do. And you made the team go when you shot the ball, you know? So if you were hitting or playing well, he gave you that freedom, you know. Uh, if we go on a road trip, this is why we love Coach Evans a lot, you know. And 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 it's pros and cons with Coach Evans, but it's more pros than cons when I played for definitely. Uh, we go on a road trip and we beat a team. He tell us what time the bus was leaving the next morning. Y'all go out and have fun, you know. And 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 we love that about him. Now we know if we lost that road game, we stayed our butts in the in the hotel and we didn't get to do nothing. So that was a fuel to our fire. Like when we go on the road to Western Kentucky or we go to New Mexico State or North Texas, we go. We we want to win first off, but we want to win. Then we want to go have fun. And and that made us, I think, uh, closer as a unit. That made her tighter as a program. And uh, and we just wanted to do well. And, and you know, if you did if you did well in the game, if you shot the ball well, coach gave you that freedom. He gave you a little more rope uh, to maybe make a mistake. He didn't mind if I missed a 30 footer after I hit two or three in a row. He, he didn't mind because he just knows that's Brad and that's what he does. You know, so um, I think this day and age now, uh, coaches are a little more stricter, a little more tighter. There's a lot more money being made. The coaches are making an extreme amount of money. They don't want to mess that up. They don't want to have a kid going out there doing his thing. When you, when you should be doing what the, what the coach is telling you exactly. So it's kind of a gift and a curse. Um, you know, you got to have your players. Uh, like I say that I'm a high school coach. I give my players a lot of freedom, but at the same time, I know when to pull on the reins and say, hold up, let's get back to what we've been working on. You know, uh, that freedom stuff is only good when it's really working. You know, if you, if you give a kid freedom, he's doing some of the bonehead things that, you know, like it's not working. You got to try to rein him in and, 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 Hey, look, let's get back to doing what's really, what's really working, you know? So, but as far as Jesse Evans, man, the ultimate players coach, uh, he reminded us all the time how he coached Mike Bibby. He would show us his Jordan gear that Bibby gave him all the time to wear. And if you want to do it like we did in Arizona, this is what we're going to do. And we ran all the Arizona sets. If you go back and look at the few sets that we did run when I was there, it was all a one, four high set. And then after that, it was just playing off each other. Um, and I think that's what made us really great as a team because we played basketball in the offseason every day at Bourgeois Hall. If you came any time during the offseason in the Bourgeois Hall, the basketball team would be in there playing pickup ball. And we just knew each other like a book. And it made those games um, more exciting. So it may it may have looked like we weren't running too much stuff, actual set players. That's what's one of the knocks on Jesse Evans that he does. You know, it's not an X's and O's coach. Uh, but we won the games, but we brought excitement to the gym, um, you know, so you got to kind of, you know, take it for what it is. And uh, we won tournaments, we won conference championships, you know, Jesse Evans, man, was a, to me was, was a, was a good coach. And a lot of people wanted to run him out of town, but if you look at his tenure, you know, it's NCAA, NIT, NIT, NCAA, he hands over an NCAA team to Robert Lee, who wins the NCAA the next year, you know, so, you know, he just was an ultimate players coach that gave those guys freedom and I think that eased the tension. You know, some guys these days, I'll go watch the games and they miss a shot or two and they're looking at the bench. 
Oh, then they see that sub coming and then they're, they're just out of it. They don't even want to sub back in the game because of this or that or whatnot. And that's hard to do. You know, you know, as a, as a coach, you're saying, man, get your attitude right. You, you know, it's the team man, sub. Out. But man, as a player, man, when you do something wrong the first time and you get subbed out for that and everybody in the cage, you sees why you're getting subbed out. You know, it's hard to bounce back during that during that game. And and a and good thing about Jesse, if he would pull you out. He would put you right back in the game. I, I had it happen to me several times. Maybe I missed a defensive play or something and he subbed me out. And, and and he would kind of do it to piss me off. He knew if he pissed me off, I was going to come back and probably hit a couple threes or do something exciting to get the crowd back into it. You know, so like I said, he was the ultimate players coach. He gave us the freedom. And I think maybe if some coaches would just maybe ease up just a little. And we're not saying let, let the kids go wild and do whatever they want, but maybe just ease up a little become more of a, of a player's coach and uh, uh, that relatability between player and coach might be stronger and you might get more out of everybody, you know? You know, two, two things that I want to say quickly before we move on to the next question. As a, as a big basketball guy, I would love to see a time where basketball is king at UL. Because you see, I'm, I'm a young one compared to the rest of y'all. So the earliest I can remember... Cajuns basketball is like 2010, 2009. So at that point, you know, it, we were kind of on the downslope right before Alfred Payton and Sean came in. So I don't remember a time where basketball was was king for the university. And then, you know, the the other thing that that I found interesting that you talked about was just how how much freedom that you had on the floor because, like like you said, you don't see that anymore. Um, Especially, especially nowadays, like you said, with, with coaches making the amount of money that they are, you you just don't see that freedom for players anymore uh, in in today's game. Brad, talk about the TBT, uh, the basketball tournament, and what it was like to you know kind of coach that and hang around guys like Tyron Johnson and Frank Bartley. How what was that experience like? Man, it was it's it's an unbelievable experience. We're trying to put together the roster. Matter of fact, this year to get back in the tournament this year. But speaking on the years prior was a great experience for me because you know I have I have goals of becoming a college coach, and and you never know, maybe even becoming a professional coach. Um, but being around professional players, guys that are making uh, anywhere from a hundred thousand to three hundred thousand dollars a year, you don't know what they're what they're going to be like. You don't know what how, how uh, responsive they're going to be to coaching, but going around those guys and and actually coaching them up and uh, being involved with practice and games with them. And, and then to sit back and say, man, these guys that are pros, they're listening to me. And, you know, I, and I know I played college ball and I know I know a little bit about basketball, but I'm just a high school coach right now. And 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 they would listen to me. So, you know, we, we had some wins. We had some good experience. We won a couple games and then we moved on to last year. And I'm talking to the guys now that met a few guys that run the TBT guys that founded the TBT. And, and one of the guys that was over our gym in uh, uh, Richmond, Virginia, where we went, you know, he came up to me and he said, I want to tell you something about yourself. He said, uh, he said, man, your guys, they listen to you. He said, all the guys that we see come through the TBT, everybody has coaches, but they're all pros. They, they don't really listen to their coaches. And I said, well, I said, a lot of times it has to do with your relatability to who you go and meet. You know, I've been knowing Tyron Johnson and Frank Barley, but the other guys on the team, I didn't really know that well. Just, uh, you know, and as I met them, get to know them, talk a little bit with them. They see what type of person you are. You can relate to them. Now, I might tell you that that flag behind you is green. And you know that flag's not green. But if I say that flag behind you is green and we got a good relationship, you're going to say, you know what, coach said that flag is green. That flag is green, man. And then they're going to go out in there and do what you ask them to do. And, um, you know, so that part of it, to making myself realize, man, I could coach pros. 
I can coach older guys. It's, it's almost the same. You just have to know what you're talking about. You can't BS pros. You can't go in there and, and just, uh, what's the old ESPN commercial talking sports out your ass? Like, that's not going to work. But once they see uh, that that I knew what I was talking about, that, oh, you were former this or that, and, and, and then they respected me. And then they listened to what I asked them to do or listened to the sets we were drawing up or what to do in certain situations. You know, so I take away a great experience of not only now that I've coached in high school, I was I coached for Robert Lee a little bit, but I've actually coached pros, too, for two years going on three years now. And whether it be uh, a whole season or whether it be a, uh, I think I've played a total of 10 games now in the TBT. I've coached pros. I have that on my resume. I can call several pros. Uh, you know, ex-college guys call me all the time and trying to get on overseas. And I always tell them, hey, look, I'll get you in touch with Tyron Johnson. And he'll show you the ropes. Uh, Frank Bartley will show you the ropes, you know. So my TBT experience, uh, uh, as you can see, and the gear is really fire, too, that they give you. I mean, they they the TBT does an unbelievable job. When you show up, man, they give you book sacks full of hoodies and shorts and shirts. And they do it right because they know it's a bunch of pros. And you can't shortchange any pros that are making a bunch of money. You give them a T-shirt or something, they're going to look like, whoa, what, what's going on? So, um, you know, and, and so it's just been a great experience. Uh, of getting some knowledge for some, because I've learned some things too. I learned some things too on the isolations on defense, uh, some offensive sets and stuff that Tyron and them have shown me what they run in France. And, uh, you know, so I've tried to take some of that and, 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 and enter that with my high school stuff. And anytime you can take some pro or college stuff and enter that into high school, it's going to work, you know? So uh, I've, I have all, all but positive things to say about the TBT. It's a great tournament. It's an NCAA vibe. Uh, you lose, you go home, uh, you win, you move on, you know, so it's all it's all in the up and up for TBT. I've had a great experience of just being able to coach pros and add some stuff to my resume, you know, uh, of the coaching resume. Yeah, you know, the TBT, the it's a it's a fantastic experience. You know, it's it's definitely cool for, for a fan's perspective, getting to see guys that have played at the professional level and higher D1 level, you know, come together and and play for a little different of a of a prize than than you're normally used to. You know, you 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 come from the Robert Lee and Danny Broussard coaching trees. Talk about that relationship and how that's impacted your coaching style, your coaching convictions. Um, when did you figure out that you wanted to get into coaching basketball? Well, you know, my whole playing career, I can look back to I was fourth grade playing on the sixth grade team. I was always a coach. I was always out there because I wanted to win so bad. I would always make sure my teammates were always doing the right things in the right positions, running the right plays. But uh, once my career was over of actually playing basketball, I wanted to coach, man. A lot of people don't know this story. Uh, I was a GA at, at UL when I finished. I tried to do the pro thing. I thought I might have had a shot being a shooter and get on the NBA team. I had a a solid agent that got me four or five NBA workouts. I probably shouldn't even got four or five NBA workouts, but he got me the workouts. I thought I might've had a shot, but it didn't, it ended up not working out. You know, uh, had a couple offers to go overseas, uh, 2004 at the time to go to the middle East. Uh, one of the offers was to go to Israel or Lebanon, you know, it just wasn't the, wasn't the thing to do for, for, for this American right here, you know, uh, wasn't the safest thing to do. So I, I, I graduated. Uh, I did the two years of GA while I was trying to come back to school and graduate. Uh, you know, Robert Lee, when I graduated, promised me a job. I wasn't going to take anybody's position. Uh, we had an assistance, assistance spot that came open. I was promised a job. And then Robert Lee ghosted on me. He, I never talked to him for a whole year. 
you know, so I had to move on. I had to do something. I went into the oil field, man. I had a really good job off of my first job, went into the oil field, uh, was doing that for about four years. And I just kept telling myself, I'm a coach, man. I want to coach at UL. I'm a coach. This, this all field stuff. Everybody knows me. Yes, but I'm, I'm kissing ass to get business. And that's not my, that's not my forte. That's not what I, uh, you know, I'm not an ass kisser, you know, that's just not, not who I am, you know, but I was doing it because it, it got you the work in that all field, you know, and I kept telling myself, it's not me. I know the money's good, car allowance, uh, expense account, all those great things, you know, being in the all field, but it's not me, you know, and, uh, um, I quit the oil field and in between me finding my first high school job, I actually had to work for Kentwood, man. I delivered water for a whole year. Uh, talk about a humbling experience. Talk about, a, uh, I don't want to use the word embarrassing, but sometimes I was embarrassed, man. I deliver water. I was, you know, I was at an STM football game one, one night and I ran into an old friend of mine, Matt Busbus, you know, his dad, Bill Busbus, who I was living with. So I'm talking with Mr. Bill, very successful businessman, uh, sold his trucking company for $250 million. Uh, does this wild game innovation, these hunting shows and all that. So he's a very, to me, I respect Mr. Bill a lot. And Mr. Bill asked me, he said, what you doing? And I said, man, I deliver water. And he laughed. <laughs> he said, Brad, like deliver water. Like, you know, you got to do something better for yourself. And, and it, it really, you know, I finished the conversation. I walked away, but it really hurt me, man. But somebody that I looked up to and I, I looked at myself like, man, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I'm not doing enough. And then right there, I started going out and trying to find, uh, somewhere to coach basketball and a, a friend of mine, Jamie Rollins at Opelousas high school gave me the opportunity to come in and be an assistant coach. And, um, you know, that's kind of where it started off to getting from changing, uh, that, that into that all field, whatever I was doing to man, I want to coach and this is what I'm going to do. Uh, and that's where it started, man. It started off in Opelousas high school as a high school assistant coach. And, you know, the, the, the rest is history on the coaching side. We've been doing this for about eight, nine years now and uh, on the high school level. So it's, it's been, it's been working out well so far. I'm just trying to get to UL. That's my goal, man, is to get to UL and get them Cajuns back to how it was in the two thousands and, and, and get it rolling again. So Brad, you've, you've coached, like you said, almost a decade and, and, you, and with your experiences, you've had a lot of connections. You've made a lot of connections. You know, a lot of people around town. You probably know a lot of people in the basketball world. Um, now I'm going to kind of move that over to the D one level, the college level. You talked about wanting to eventually end up at UL when it comes to relationships at the D one level, uh, in particular in basketball, how important is it when it comes to scheduling, when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to networking, um, from your experiences, how important is it? Well, you know, Jerry, you got to look at anything in life, right? A, a relationship is the key. You know, uh, if, if if your relationship is not solid with whatever you're doing, you're, you're not going to get the best product. You, 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 know, you might not get the best people on your shows. Uh, so it all plays hand in hand, just like basketball. I mean, if it, to me, uh, a relationship, if you have good relationships with some of these bigger schools in the South, right along I-10, why are we not playing them every year? Even if we have to go to a Mississippi State two years in a row and they come back to us once, you know, I would do that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a believer in, like, I like the Southern approach, Texas Southern, Southern University, all these, all these smaller, uh, um, some of these SWAC schools, they got the right idea. They don't mind going out and playing the big boys the first eight, nine games of the year. Yeah, they might be one and eight, two and nine, something like that. But once they get the conference, they gonna beat everybody. And the schedule, the, the, the record in, evens out, they get to those conference tournaments, they can beat those teams because they went out and played uh, a tough schedule, you know? So uh, as far as, you know, if, if I had to do it, 
I'm not worried about wins or losses at the beginning of the season. I'm worried about playing the best teams, getting my team better. And I think if you earn that respect, more teams will want to come in and play you. Well, look, look at look at look at the look at the team. They're going to go out and play LSU every year. They're going to go out and play Florida. Well, some of those people, if you if you get a good relationship with those guys and with those coaches at these other schools, regardless of what they say, it's so hard to get people to come to the Cajun Dome. Like it's like if a if a big time school would come to the Cajun Dome, it's an automatic loss for them. That, that's not the case. You have to build that relationship with that coach to say, you know what, I'm going to go back and return that favor. I'm going to go back and play the Cajuns down there in the Cajun Dome. They done came to us twice, two years in a row, and I think you could do that. Uh, with a bunch of schools in this, especially in the South. And then there's a bunch of great basketball. Why are we not playing Houston every year? When I was there, we played Houston every year. Every year we played Houston. We never lost to Houston one time when I played. I think we played them three years in a row. We never lost to Houston. We played Mississippi State every year at home in the Cajun Dome. We beat them. They were 12th in the country my junior year. We beat them at Mississippi State. Maybe that's what they're holding on to. They don't want to come back and play. <laughs> Last time we played Mississippi State, we gave them an L, you know, so... Uh, the relationship and being relatable is the biggest thing to me in life. And you said it, Jerry, you said, oh, you know everybody, bro. You talk to everybody. Uh, you come see my basketball camp, my camp T-shirts. If you go on the back of my camp T-shirts, my sponsor, my sponsor relationship, the people that help sponsor my camps is unbelievable. And the reason why they sponsored and helped me out is because I played basketball in that Cajun Dome. It's who I became in that relationship I've I've been able to 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 make great, but all these different, I mean, I dude, from a shoe company to an all field company to air conditioned people to plumbers to business owners, restaurant owners in the community, all these people, I have a good relationship from the game of basketball. And I've just I've just molded that into, you know, now these people, they know what they're doing. They're helping me out, but they're also helping little kids out, uh, get a good t-shirt, come to a good camp. People don't realize this. We charge for our basketball camps, but we'll take a handful of kids, five, 10 kids every year and let them come to camp for free because somebody has put up some money for them. Somebody has helped them uh, find a way to get to the camp. But that all goes back to relatability. So if your relationship is not good with these surrounding coaches or, you know, you're, you know, you might be a little arrogant or, or, or to yourself and not going out there to make new connections, nobody's going to come play. You. They, don't, they don't, you're going to get the little small schools because the little small schools, they know going to get a little bit of money from us. They, they don't have a chance of beating us, but they want to just go on the road because they need a game. They need to pay for a game or whatnot, but it's all about relatability being in a, in, in making relationships with the coaches in the area, Long I ten, you could try. You you can name twenty schools along from the west of the east I ten that are bigger schools than us. That why wouldn't you know? They're not they're not thinking. Oh, we don't want to play UL because we're going to lose to them. Oh, I just don't think the relationships are there with those other D one coaches that'll get them to come in and actually give us a chance. Whether if it's a if it's a two for one, two to you, one 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 at y'all place, one at my place. I'll go back to y'all the next year. To me, that it, that should be some easy easy contracts to 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 figure out and to get done. And I think that's one of the things, and, and I'm glad you brought that up about relationships, because that's one thing that sticks out to me as a fan. When I heard that South Alabama had hosted Auburn in Mobile about a year ago, an Auburn team that had just gone to the Final Four the year before with Bruce Pearl, and then come to find out their coach, well, I believe was an assistant under Bruce Pearl, or had some type of right. connection with Bruce Pearl. So Bruce said, right. look, we'll do a home and home. We're right down the road. We're in Alabama, right? You can right. get, get the hype up. It helps right. both schools, economically speaking, in the local area. So that kind of brings me to my next point that I wanted to ask you um, with regards to the strength of schedule um, that the UL basketball uh, brings out each year. 
you know, look, in the 90s, we've hosted Mississippi State. I believe the first Cajun Dome home game was against Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. They've played Loyola Marymount. They hosted ten, We've hosted Tennessee in 2006. Bruce Pearl, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, UMass, say, UMass came to the Cajun Dome. UMass, UMass. Bro, so, so, Edgar Padilla, that was a huge oh, game. Oh, yeah. So, so my question is, uh, you talk about relationships, but is, is it also – is it also money thing? Do you think, do you think at this point, uh, what would you think about buying games to bring quality opponents instead of just saying, Hey, look, let's do a one-on-one. Let's just try to dole out some money, bring in a decent P five school. And if that's the case, do you think that Cajuns basketball has a money problem in fundraising? Is the staff raising enough money? What, what is it? What, what will it take to bring a P five opponent like, a Texas or a Texas A&M or a Georgia, Mississippi State, what would it take to bring them to the Cajun Dome today? Well, yeah, of, of, of course, you know, like if, if the money is there to to spend to, to buy those games, definitely I'm all for it. Um, and you're going to have to spend a little money. But I think one of the things that UL is behind on is the whole marketing of the game. Uh, of basketball games. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll play a game this past year, past couple of years, like me, me myself, I know when every game is, but the average fan, they might not even know there's a game tonight. You know, like our the social media following on Instagram or Twitter uh, for the Rage of Cajun basketball is, is extremely low. You go look at LSU's basketball Instagram right now, it's at 100,000 followers. You go look at UL's Instagram right now, it's at 2,700 people. It just, you know, we should at least be half, you know? So I don't know the whole, uh, what, what's what's causing us not to have the greatest or, or better marketing behind the basketball games. But, you know, if you're going to bring one of those big schools in and pay for those schools, you better have people in the stands. Or you're going to only be able to do that one year and then you're not going to have any money left to, to show why we're we even doing this because nobody's coming to the game anyway. Um, but, you know, it it, it it all goes back to having an exciting product, to make an exciting product to okay, why they spent that money. Because look at the team. They're so excited. And they're going to play Texas in the Cajun Dome and they're going to play Alabama in the Cajun Dome or somebody like that. So I'm all for going out money uh if it's there to uh to bring some of those bigger schools in uh i know a couple of years ago a good friend of mine who actually coaches with now at Southside, kyle kerrigan he was on the staff at at ul as a uh not a grad assistant maybe uh not director of ops one of the lower kind of uh, uh positions on the staff not officially assistant coach but he actually put together one hell of a golf tournament two years ago i want to say they made twenty thirty thousand dollars on one day of the golf tournament that he put on, like he put that golf tournament on for UL. Uh, but outside of that golf tournament, I can't name you one fundraiser the men's basketball team does, or if they do any uh, to bring awareness to who's on the team. Look, when I played for Jesse Evans, Jesse would call me once a week and he'd say, who you want to bring with you? And I'd say Mike South Hall or, or bring Larie or bring the Easter Bunny. And we'd go around to these junior highs and we'd talk to the kids in the D.A.R.E. program. We'd talk to the P. Uh, people or Pete, whatever was going on, but we were in the community doing those type of things. And then when you go in the community, I, I use example all the time. I can walk into Biddy basketball. My wife runs Biddy basketball. Katie and a Biddy basketball is a thousand people, a thousand kids in the league. Well, a thousand kids is 2000 parents. When I walk into Biddy basketball from a kid that's five years old to a kid that's 15 years old, they're going to run up to me. What's up, coach? We're going to shake hands. We're going to do half of them. I got their own handshakes with them from a five-year-old to a 15. We had all these different handshakes. You know, I talk to everybody. I relate to everybody. Those people 
will be the same ones that are going to come back and come to your games. It'll be the same people that want to go out and buy season tickets just because of the relationship that you, that you go out and seek. And, um, you know, so the marketing, I, and look, I don't want to step on anybody's toes saying that doing a great job, but I just think it could, a better job could be done. Like, you, you know, like when we were at UL in between classes, you know, we went to class sometimes, but in between classes, uh, we would stand on the steps at the conference center and every person that passed by, we were saying something too. Hey, what's up, man? Check the game out. You know, every, every girl that passed by, she, she probably got harassed by half of the team, but they knew who the basketball team was. They, we were characters. We were free flowing with the students and our thing. And I, and I think if, if somebody would go out and do that more, why can't you pick up a hundred new followers on Facebook or Instagram every day? If you're just standing on the street, hey, I'm a basketball player at UL, UL follow the page real quick. They're going to pull out their phone. They're going to follow it. And as you see, I'm still at school right now. We're doing a little uh, teacher appreciation. So they're over the speaker real quick. If you want to hold tight for maybe a couple seconds. Information back to your department. Also want to wish all the mothers in the South side building a happy mother's day. Hope you enjoy your weekend. And this is awesome. Guys, Monday. <laughs> Gives us a real life feel. See, our guests, our guests are right. dedicated. They do it at work. Right, right. And shout out to our principal, man, at Southside. We have the best principal in the state of Louisiana. Anytime that you can uh, work for a sports minded, a ex coach that's your principal now, you know we have no worries at Southside. I had no complaints at Southside. It's just been a, it's been a blessing to be over here the last four years to work on, work alongside with uh, Catherine Cassidy as a, as my principal. You know, so, um, but like I said, man, we just, you know. Anything and everything, of course, can be a little bit better than what it is, you know, so it's no knock on what the marketing uh, ha hasn't done yet. Maybe they just haven't done it yet. Maybe it's going to come around and then they're going to get on the ball and, and do some more things that that would get more people into the cage. Known. Because, I mean, if we're being honest with each other, if you went to a game last year, uh, I have a friend of mine went to a game and he's a stickler about the attendance. About the, well, they said there's twenty five hundred and he'll go to the game and he'll count. He'll sit there and he'll count. And he says it all the time. He says, man, I got the 700. They're saying 2,500, but I only got the 700. You know, so it, it's, 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 a, it's a lack of attendance that's hurting us right now. You know, so we just got to find a way out to, to, to market a little bit better. And we have to find a way out to bring some more exciting teams to the occasion where people are actually going to want to go and watch. Yeah, no, no question about it. Brad, we're going to take a break here. Plenty more to talk about when we come back. We'll discuss the transfer portal. We'll talk about some new faces in the Cajuns program. And is, you know, you've heard the term basketball is dead in the South for a long time now. Is it actually dead? We'll talk about that and so much more right here on Rage Interview. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! 
Acadiana business owners. Are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security. Awardmaster, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Awardmaster creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review trust Awardmasters for all of their needs, and you will too. Awardmasters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Awardmasters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Awardmaster, the recognition and personalization experts. Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana Athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez, Jerry Bear, Josh Jogno, and Brad Boyd with us. You know, Brad, talk about Carter Domang, uh, the UL commit from from St. Thomas More. Um, you know, three point five GPA, played both football and basketball. Won four straight state titles with St. Thomas More. Won two on the football team. You know, the, the the list of accolades just goes on and on for this kid, both on and off the floor. What, what will he bring to the program? And, uh, you know, one question that we got from from social media is, how quickly can he be a major contributor? Listen, you know, all those accolades are well-deserved. This kid, you know, I I train kids once a week, man, and Carter, Carter, Carter normally comes and works with 
I train Carter as well, but he's working alongside eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds, and he's not taking a playoff. He's not taking a set off. He just goes balls to the wall the whole time. Uh, great kid. Um, to answer that question, coming in as a freshman in college basketball is extremely hard. The game is way faster. Um, so I look forward for him to play some. I don't know how, how big of a contributor he'll be that first year, but I do know this, and I'll go on the record and say this. Before his time is all said and done, it's going to be Carter Domingue's basketball team. I have no doubts about that. The kid is a leader. The kid leads by example. He's a smart player. He's hard, tough. Uh, he likes to pass the ball, which which if you play basketball, everybody loves somebody that's going to pass. Um, he can shoot the ball. And uh, like I said, before it's all said and done, he's going to be the leader of that team one way or the another, uh, whether it be 10 points a game and 10 assists a game or uh, 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 eight, nine points a game and 10 assists a game. I see him getting to that range of uh, being being uh, about an equal as score as the amount of assists he's going to have in the game. He's going to be kind of right around a double-double guy. I just see him being that, man, uh, as a as a really – he reminds me of the old point guard from Ohio State, uh, Aaron Kraft, man. He's just uh, uh, maybe not as talented as Aaron Kraft to date. Uh, not saying he can't get to that level, but that's the type of game he plays. He's going to dive on all, all the balls. He's going to take all the charges. He's going to pass to the open guys, and everybody loves a teammate like that, you know. So I expect him to contribute this next year, especially with everybody leaving, and we don't know who's coming back yet. Um, but as far as being a major, major factor, year two, year three, and four, definitely, definitely. I see him being in the mix, uh, barring any injuries, staying healthy, stuff like that. He's going to be the team leader uh, when it's all said and done of his, of his college career at UL. I love the Aaron Kraft comp. That's a, that's a good, I, I think that's perfect. I, I did not think about that, but uh, Hey Brad, you know, the, the transfer portal transfer portal has been a hot topic and I want to talk about that extensively, but before we do, you spend a lot of time in the AAU circuit now and in the past, it gets a bad rap, you know, lots of people, uh, you know, everybody's concerned about how the game is changing and things like that. And a lot of times the blame falls on AAU, Talk about your experience at AAU, and do you think that that rap is deserved? Uh, you know, I look at it from my point. Uh, I run an AAU program. We try to do it the best we can. We try to provide solid coaching. We try to put together the most competitive teams. Uh, people on the outside that look at AAU and, and talk down on AAU, um, if they didn't realize that um, you know, with all these teams, if you only had the three or four select team, I was only be one or two teams in the whole state. Well, then what tournaments are we going to play in? Who are you going to play against? Does everybody have thousands and thousands of dollars to travel to the next state every weekend to go play? So you need some of these mom and pop. Look, my, my AU program is a mom and pop. Miss Andrea Broadhead started this program in 1987. Um, and we're working right now to get Miss Andrew Broadhead in the AAU Hall of Fame for all she's done for AAU basketball on the boys and girls side. Uh, so I, I really I really kind of take offense sometimes when people try to knock the AAU deal because, you know, the best basketball players in the country in the offseason, they play in AAU basketball. Whether we like it or not, they're traveling around that state to state or in state. They're playing every weekend in all these AAU tournaments. Um it gets a bad rap because a lot of, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but some of the teams, they're not well organized. They don't have the best coach in the, you know, so the kids can kind of run them up. Uh, they can kind of play a certain way. It's not even like high school basketball. AAU is just a, it's an up and down game. It's, it's, I, I explain it like this. During the AAU season, you're working on your individual game. Even though you're on a team, while you play, 
it just comes out of you. You're working on your individual game. You try to take your man off the dribble. Uh, if somebody helps, of course you pass, you know, and then that guy takes his man off the dribble. Somebody helps, he'll pass it and shoot a three or go all the way to the goal during the high school or your college, you know, high school season, that's where you're working as, as to become better as an overall team, you know? So it kind of plays hand in hand. You want, you know, back in the day when we were at STM I, and, and, and I, I say this all the time, Danny Broussard, he didn't want me and Brandon Mouton playing AAU. He wanted us to be at those summer workouts. He wanted us not to miss the team bonding stuff, but you know, on the on the level, me and Brandon Mouton were, we needed that. We needed to go out and get that exposure to uh, let these – we're just better than the rest of the guys on the team. So he, he allowed it. You fast forward 15 years, you know, 10 years, 15 years later, every one of Danny's basketball players plays on an AAU team. They have their own AAU program that outsider runs that they all play on, and he'll tell you. Getting those guys to go out and play against those other athletic teams, those other teams that are take a kid from here, here, and here, but we're still playing as our team, it helps them during the regular season, you know. So there's some there's some pros, like we said, and there's some cons to AAU, but I just think people jump on that bandwagon and love to jump on a bandwagon that's that's negative. You know, you don't see too many people jumping on a positive bandwagon. Everybody will jump on a negative bandwagon of, oh, yeah, that's terrible. Oh, yeah, it is terrible, man. They, they, they teach them nothing. They do nothing. Well, you know what? A lot of those kids that are traveling around or playing on these mom and pop AU teams, if they wouldn't be with those coaches or with those teams traveling around in the gym, they might be doing something else. They might be doing something worse. They might be doing something bad that's that that this bad AU team or the, even the bad AU coach is keeping them out of trouble. You know, so I look at different aspects of uh, as a whole, you know, and, and kids, even though everybody is not an AU player and everybody's not going to a Division One college, you know, we're in 2021, right? Everybody has rights to do whatever they want. Everybody's equal, right? So why should we try to stop a kid that's that wants to play in the summer or 10 kids that are not that great, but they want to form their own AU team? Let them form that team. Uh, hopefully they get a solid coach. Let them come to your tournament. I, I host tournaments. I want as many teams as possible to come to my tournament, whether they're the best team or the worst team, they need to come to the gym, support what we're doing, bring fans to the gym, you know? So it's a pro and a con thing with AAU. Um, I think it's more pros though than, than, than it is cons. Yeah, you pick up some bad habits, but that's on you. That's on you as a person. And if you pick up a bad habit and the next coach comes on, hey, that's a bad habit, you need to change. You know, you need to try to figure it out and do better, you know? So uh, I'm all for AAU. We run a great AAU program. Uh, I respect all the AAU coaches that that, that people don't understand. Like people think sometimes AAU, are oh, you making money off the kids? <laughs> we lose money every year. I spend money out of my pocket, and I'm not rich by any means. I, I, I'm a high school coach, you know, high school teacher. But when a kid needs five, ten dollars to get a pizza, to get a burger, to get a nacho, we all do it. I do it. Every AAU coach I see after games is going by them $3 power rates, buying 10, $30 on 10 power rates. I see coaches do it all the time at these tournaments, you know, so I think a little more credit and a little more thanks needs to be, uh, needs to be handed out to most of these coaches that are really, you know, doing the right thing, regardless if their team is the best or not, they still uh, building a team. They're building camaraderie amongst the team. They're helping their community by keeping some of these kids out of trouble playing the game of basketball. Yeah. Like most things, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And, uh, you know, AAU gets blamed for so many things. In fact, the transfer portal, which we're about to, we're about to get into the transfer portal. You know, they, I have heard people say and read in, in articles and things on the internet that the AAU created that environment for the transfer port, transfer portal. Hard to say, by the way, to, <laughs> to get so much traction. It's like, you know, they call it free agency of the NCAA. 
What do you think about the portal? Um, obviously, again, it could be good and bad. You know, obviously some players get more opportunity than they would have, you know, 15 years ago. But at the same time, you know, the cohesiveness of, of teams and, and keeping a squad together, do you see it as a pro and a con or, or a con? And do you think that the portal is going to be the way that the NCAA continues to operate going forward? I hope not, man. I, you know, I'm all up for if you have a bad experience and you want to move on, you should be allowed to. But if they're going to continue the deal where you can leave and play right away, nobody's going to be able to be coached the right way. Nobody's going to be able to be screamed at one time in practice because he did the wrong thing, be disciplined when they miss a curfew or miss this or that, because all they're going to say is, well, dang, he coach don't really like me. I'm out of here, you know? So to give the freedom to leave and play right away, I don't like that. I don't like that one bit, you know, now if you want to transfer and go sit out your year, um, you know, and maybe not lose a year, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in, in, in favor of that, but still sit out a year, but not lose a year, but to leave and to be able to play right away, that's what's going to make these kids jump ship right away. And you're going to never be able to build not only a team relationship, but how as a fan, are you going to build a relationship with your favorite player? You might like a kid as a freshman next year. He's gone. Now you got to pick another kid. Now you got to, you know, like, you know, these kids today that still know me from playing basketball, you guys that you say you come watch this play, you know, the interaction, you get it. You, you build a relationship with that guy. You know, you build a relationship with that player. I know what, when when I would watch Reggie Poole, uh, when I was a kid, when I would watch uh, Casey, Casey Green, uh, Ty Foster, but I wanted to be like those guys. I wanted to be, you know, friends with those guys. I just looked up to them and, 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 and established a relationship with them. But if you can't never do that as a fan to know, to know that all of us are coming back next year to play again for UL, you know, I, it just uh, – and, and with the transfer portal, man, with the, with the being able to leave – um, and not sit out, man. I don't think that's a good thing. I think people are going to be jumping, jumping ship left and right. And, and, and somebody's going to get screwed in a long way. You, you, just because two or three people leave, that's not a guarantee you're about to get two or three people to come in. And that's not a guarantee you're about to get two or three people that were as good or even better than the two or three you lost. You might get in a situation like, dang, I got to take, I got to take Jerry now. Jerry might be the worst basketball player ever, but I need, I need to, I need to fill a spot. You know, and I might take Jerry and, and then now we, God, dang, I sure wish that Malik was back, you know, and, you know, so, you know, and, and I don't know. And do you have to, do you have to butter up the kid to get him in? And then you know what that happens when you butter up the kid to get him in because he's on the transfer. How are you going to coach him the right way? How are you going to really get in his, you know, you know what to make him get the best out of him before he says, oh, man, this coach is mean. I'm out of here. You know, I'm leaving too, you know, so the, I don't know. I just, I'm not in a favor of the transfer portal being, you know, leave and play right away. Are they going to do that just this year? Or is that going to be forever that they're going to be able to leave and play right away? You know, that's a, that's a huge question that, that probably needs to be answered, you know? So we've all heard uh, a few times over the past decade or so, uh, the, the, overall aura of college basketball, especially in the South has changed as a whole, really college basketball has changed a lot. I mean, you've probably had to evolve with it as a coach compared to your playing days. Um, but you're hearing now in the South, especially with D one basketball, we've heard the term basketball is dead in the deep South college basketball, D one basketball outside of your P fives, your SECs, your ACCs, more your mid majors is a lot harder to compete. Do you agree with that statement? And what what is your view now that you're a high school coach and you kind of you get in the, in the sort of the sense of the recruiting side of it and you see certain programs come after players? What's your view on that statement? Do you agree or disagree with that that the fact that basketball is dead in the south? Oh. 
I, I can't say that I that I would agree with it. And, and I don't know where the where maybe the phrase is coming from because a lack of attendance maybe at games or something. I don't know where they're getting that from. But I do know this. When I threw a high school event in occasional this past year, I had Opelousa side in North Central, and we had 2,500 people at the game. You know, so uh, I think it's the product that's going to get more people excited. And, and, and listen, well, I hate when um, – you know, they said, well, it, it, the lack of attention, that, that's with all the schools in the South. I'm not worried about all the schools in the South. I'm worried about my school, what my school is going to do. What are we going to do? I'm not worried about uh, Jackson State or South Alabama or anybody that's that's not my school and they're losing attendance. I'm, uh, OK, that's on them. What are we going to do at my school to make it better to where they can't say, well, look, it might be dead in the South, but it sure ain't dead in that cage dome. You know, and 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 that's the that's the thing that I think that needs to be addressed. So let's stop worrying about everybody else. Let's worry about what can we do to make UL sports greater than what they are. We see what we got with football. We rolling. You know, they lucky we couldn't have stand, fans in the stands last year because I know it would have been some packed houses. Hopefully this year with them opening back up everything, the football is going to lead the way. And then it'll be on basketball to carry that torch after that. And then it'll be on baseball and softball after that to carry that torch. You know, when we really rolling as a whole, at UL, we're not gonna have to worry about any any any. Is it dead in the south? It might be, like I said, dead in the south. But what we got going on at UL, it's not dead, you know. So maybe the lack of attendance causes people to say it's dead in the south. But some of our best basketball players are getting picked right out of Louisiana, right out of Florida, right out of Alabama. Some of the top players in the country, football, basketball, they're still coming from the south, you know. So um, I just think it's just because it's a lack of attendance that they're saying that, and it is. I, I've looked across the board, and, I, and there's there's been some lack of attendance that. But if you're if you're you uh, where's the place we played at in the TBT the first year? Um, oh, it's in uh, it's in it's in Virginia. Uh, I can't think of the name of the school. We had two. I, I go into the locker. I'm trying to think of the name of that school uh, that we played at. I can't think of it offhand. Uh, oh, it was where Will Wade was at. Um, uh, Virginia Commonwealth, VCU? VCU. Yeah. VCU. So we played TBT at the VCU. I go into the VCU locker room because I'm nosy. I want to go look around, look at everybody's stuff, what they got. Well, there's two kids from Louisiana on the VCU roster. And I'm thinking to myself, man, why would they come to V? You could have went to UL. Why would they come to VCU? So I'm talking with the with the usher, the random dude that, that does all the VCU games. He said, well, for the last 150 VCU home games, it's been a complete sellout. And I was like, Jesus, well, maybe, maybe you bring a recruit to a VCU game and he sees that, oh my God, I give you even one better. When the VCU team ran out for the TBT, not the not a college game, the TBT game, the VCU alumni team sold out. The band was there. You don't think they love basketball in VCU? You don't think they love what, what the coaches and Shaka Smart and the Will Wade have done at VCU and it's carried on and on and on. So, you know, I think it's just the product uh, the marketing, the excitement that you're going to have to bring for those programs that to get us out of people saying that it's dead in the South. I, I can't really agree with that statement. I just think uh, the lack of attendance makes people kind of say that, but the best basketball players, football players, they're still coming from the South. So adding on to that real quickly, um, when you played, the Sunbelt Conference was very competitive. Like you said, UNO, Western Kentucky, even Little Rock sometimes would surprise people. You had right. some really good competition. Before Middle Tennessee went to Conference USA, they were pretty good for a while with Kermit Davis as their coach. What is your overall – and and I kind of add on to this question about basketball being dead in the South. A lot of people say, well, it's lack of competition, right? The Sunbelt's a one-bid league now. Most of your mid-majors are one-bid leagues outside of maybe a few. Um, but But – 
What do you think that uh, the quality of basketball in the Sun Belt has gone down a lot? Do you think it's about the same? What are the differences of Sun Belt basketball that may have an effect on the attendance or just the quality of basketball as a whole from when you played? Well, I, I, if you want my honest opinion, man, I, I look at the Sun Belt now as a glorified Southland Conference, man. All the top teams when I was there, uh, they're gone. Your Western Kentucky's moved on. Your North Texas has moved on. Both the Florida schools have moved on. Um, uh, Middle Tennessee has moved on. Uh, we're kind of the, the 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 big the big bad school that's still kind of just stuck in stuck in the Sun Belt, you know. And uh, the to me as an overall, uh, the competition is not as strong as it was 15 years ago. Uh, you know, you, you like you say, Western Kentucky was so good. South Alabama was so good. North Texas was good every year with Jeff, uh, with uh, Johnny Jones over there. Um, you know, so uh, that's why that's why sometimes I get a little frustrated when the team doesn't go to an NCAA tournament or, or doesn't, you know, beat certain teams in the year. And, uh, you know, just because it just it looks like our teams are always pretty good. And we're, we're at the top tier every year. It just said we can't. Uh, figure it out at the end of the year to get it done, you know, because it is a one bid league. You can do whatever. That's why it goes back to scheduling. Why does it matter at the beginning of the year who we schedule, regardless if we play Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina and lose all those games or we play uh, the weaker opponents and we beat all those teams. We still have to win three games in March, <laughs> no matter the schedule. So my mind frame on that is I'm going to go schedule the better teams to make my team better. So when it does come to March, the competition of who I'm playing against is, oh, well, this is, uh, this is subpar. You know, I might be able to, uh, we, we're going to definitely beat these guys. We've been competing against LSU and Kentucky and teams like that all, all during the year, you know. Um, you know, so I think that the competition uh, uh, is just down from what it was in the past when you had some of those other schools that have moved on from the Sun Belt to bigger conferences. You know, well, this is kind of piggybacking off of that, but, you know, let's talk about the Cajuns basketball program as a whole. You know, it's no secret that a ton of people are unhappy with with the things going on within the program right now. Attendance is at an all-time low. Um, performances on the floor haven't been up to the standards that, you know, this program built back in the day. Do you agree that, that the program is kind of on a downturn and – this, you know, this is kind of a three-part question. Do you agree the program's on a downturn? What do you think the missing piece is? And then can the Cajuns become a top mid-major program in the climate of NCAA athletics for a long period of time? Well, I'll try to answer it from the last question to the first question. I think UL is a gold mine. We have the best facility in the Sunbelt Conference, hands down. We probably have the best facility in the state of Louisiana. Um, Lafayette as a whole, we all live here, right? Best food, best people, best, best Mardi Gras, best, you know, a lot of things in a city, uh, in a town in the Cadiana area that is not, uh, stricken with crime and, and all kind of craziness of a huge city. Um, and, and all the Cajun faithful is happy people. They just want a great product. They just want to be able to cheer something that they can represent, um, and, and, and night in and night out, knowing that it's going to be exciting when we go inside that cage. Now. So UL is a gold mine. It could be a top mid major. It could be a Gonzaga. Um, you know, it could be something now, now, now Gonzaga is a stretch as of right now, because, you know, they're number one seed, number one team year in and you're out for the last four or five years, but we can get to that. We can at least try to get to that, you know, um, 
Um, and you're gonna have to hit me back with the second, with the other two questions of that uh, of that of that series right there. What do you think the missing piece is? And then, do you agree that the program is kind of on a downturn? Well, I, I don't know. I can't say that the program is on a downturn, you know, and, 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 you know, some people like friends of mine, you know, they, they oh, don't want to change, want a new coach. I can't even say that Bob Moreland is a bad coach. Cause that's not the case. He's, he's a good coach. You know, it's just that we haven't, we haven't gotten to that NCAA tournament uh, more than one time in 12 years. And that's what sticks out the most with a lot of the, a lot of fans, a lot of friends of mine that, that speak on that. Um, so as, as of last year, we had a decent team. We, we had a good season. We just lost out in the conference tournament. So I can't say, you know, we, we go six and 25, uh, uh, seven and 25, something like that. Then you could kind of speak on, Oh, it's, 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 it's turning, turning bad, you know, but um, I think we've been average for, for, for most of, of Marlon's career while he's been here. And we've had the great year with Sean Long and Alfred Payton. We even had the good year with Frank Bartley and then where we came up short in the tournament, a couple guys were sick and injured, um, you know, so I won't say yet that we're on a downward um, you know, fall out of, out of, you know, being the UL basketball that we all know. But um, I just really think that most of the fans, it's time for, they just want to change. They just want something new. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can do well this year and maybe win an NCAA tournament or something like that. But I mean, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's just been year in and year out of uh, kind of the same result, except for that one year in 2014, you know? So I just think it's time for a change. I can't say that it's on a, it's on a downward that, you know, it's just so terrible that, you know, it, and that's not the case because Moreland's graduated a lot of players. Uh, a lot of those guys have gone on to graduate and play pro ball, whether it be overseas or whatnot, you know? So he runs a good program. The guys aren't getting in trouble and all kind of failing kids and this or that, you know? So uh, as far as the program as a whole, and as we speak on Marlon, because it is his program and it is his team that he's running, you know? So I can't say that it's on a downward. Uh, I don't feel that it's on a downward spiral out of control or anything like that, you know? So I just think we could be better and the more excitement could be brought to that Cajun Dome each night. Change. Change is a, is a powerful, loaded word, and you mentioned it, so let's talk about it. You know, we've got guys leaving the program. That's pretty common now. We're, we've got some coaches that have moved on this year, and it's, uh, it's the grand finale time, Brad. We're going to ask you the question we've been wanting to ask. We know it's no secret. Lots of Cajun Nation understand that you're interested in being on the UL staff. You have been for a long time. What, it, what makes Brad Boyd a great fit for UL for Lafayette and for the basketball program as a whole. And we're going to open it up and just, here's, it's an open Perfect. resume right here. Let's do it. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'll tell you, this, this is the one thing that I'll say the most. I don't want to coach anywhere else. I could have went to, I could have moved out of state and went to this school or this school. I've had a couple offers to go coach at a couple different schools, but that's not what I want to do. I want to coach at UL. I played here at UL. I chose to stay here at UL. When I was coming out of high school, I could have went to several different schools. I wanted to stay here in Lafayette, where I was from, become one with the people of Lafayette and, and make a name for myself. And I think I've done that on a local level. Um, I think that my relatability uh, with the common fan, with the business owners, with people that really run Lafayette and the Cadian area, my relationship was good with a lot of those people. Uh, a lot of those people's kids I've worked with, a lot of those people um, saw me playing basketball. A lot of those people still follow me to this day when I was at Opelousas High School coach and now at Southside. I just look at it when they built the brand new, the biggest school in Lafayette, they came after one person and that person was me. They, they came after me to come to this job. And I looked at it at Southside High School. It's the next biggest thing 
to UL basketball in Lafayette. You know, it's the it's the it's it's UL basketball. Then what's the next biggest high school is Southside. And I was asked to be the head coach and start that program from the bottom up, which I've done really. Uh, we, we, we haven't had a lot, a lot of success, but we're trending upward. We won a certain amount of games my first year. This last year, we've won. We won more games, uh, went to the playoffs this year. And my relatability with past and present players and being able to relate is 2021. You have to know what's going on in the world in 2021 from what a teenager's thinking to what adults and, and people that own businesses and what they're thinking. You have to find some kind of way to intertwine all that. And uh, and I just know from me coaching AAU, from being around several different types of kids, types of players, and my relationship is always the same. Uh, um, I, can, I can be hard, hard on a kid. But when it's all said and done, they still love coach. They still love Brad because that's the relationship that we have on and off the court. Uh, I'm like to consider I'm a cool guy. I'm hip. I know, I know what's going on in the community, when, in the rap world. I know it. And if we look at hip hop and basketball, it's a huge connection. And, 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 and these players these days love hip hop just as much as they love uh, uh, basketball. And you have to find a way to know everything that's going on. Uh, you have to be able to talk to people. You have to know people's moms and dads. And I think the the person that I am, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, purple, green, brown. I'm the same way. I, I, I got friends that are from all different races uh, uh, and, 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 and I'm the same with all of them, man. And I just think that relatability uh, to be able to relate to, to business owners in the community, to be able to relate to the manager on the team, to the security at the Cajun Dome, to anybody that's running the Cajun Dome, the university, you have to have those relationships uh, because you need favors. You need to be able to go out and ask people uh, for help, ask people for donations, ask people for, you know, uh, to throw a golf tournament. I threw my own first golf tournament this year. And the first person I went to was a former raging Cajun Red Bear, who now owns the Abbeville Country Club. And it was hand in hand. Immediately when I brought it up, he said, absolutely, we're doing it. We're doing it, Brad. Whatever you need, we're doing it. Next thing I do, I call Coca-Cola and a good friend of mine, Troy Moe, that runs Coca-Cola under Lee Tafford. What you need, Brad? Anything you need. You need to, we need to supply all the Cokes, whatever it is, done deal. The next thing I do, I call Herb Schilling with uh, with uh, Schilling and a good friend of mine, his son, Buddy. He runs Schilling now. Call Buddy, Buddy. Brad, what you need? I need I need some beer for the golf tournament. Done deal, Brad. You know, so just those relationships. I can call Lil Murph with old time grocery right now. I can have two. Y'all hungry tonight? I can have platters of po' boys delivered to y'all houses right now. No, no questions asked. And Murph's going to do that for me, you know. And there's several other business owners uh, uh, in the community that that my relationship is really, really solid with these people. And I know if I give if I've given the chance to become become an assistant coach and then maybe one day become the head coach, those relationships relationships are going to be brought with me though. If I'm an assistant coach at UL, whoever the head coaches is, the, that guy's going to have that same relationship. I've had several backers, several alumni to this day. They know when the time comes and the new coach comes in, they all tell me, Brad, bring them to me, introduce them to me. And that's what I'm going to do because I want the best for the school. I want the best for whoever's the next coach at UL to, to what we all been talking about getting that Cajun on back to how it was rocking night in and night out. And that's just think what I could bring to it. I know I would go out and sell season tickets. I drive up and down Johnson street and college saloon every day, go to every business. And I'm going to sell two or two to five tickets to every business person in Lafayette. And you get more people in that Cajun home, you're going to have more wins, more success, more excitement. And, and I think that's what the, that's what the Cajun basketball as a whole is missing. It's just really, really excitement and relationship with the community from the players to the coaches and back to those business owners in the community. Yeah, no, no question about it. You know, Brad, 
we we got some questions from from social media, and there's one that I really want to touch on. We talked a little bit ago about the transfer portal, and the the question is, you know, take a take a successful player like a Malik Wilson, you know, you know, for example, why would a successful player like that all of a sudden enter into the transfer portal? Like not, not to necessarily get into the specific reason that maybe Malik entered the transfer portal, but just in general, what would make a player want to leave a program that he found, he found success at? Well, the one that sticks out to me the most is relationship between the player and the coaching staff. I mean, if you're going to be a player on the team and you go back and look at Malik Wilson's stats, he's a double, double guy. He's a double points, uh, 15, 14, 15 points a game, 13, 14, 15 points. He plays 30 plus minutes a game. Why would you leave? All I can think of is just not getting along maybe with the coaching staff. Uh, uh, you know, so and if he was going to leave, if he's homesick, he would have just went to Louisiana Tech already. You know, but that's not the case. You know, he's still up in the air. What's he going to do? Um, you know, and I've talked to Malik and and the only thing he told me was it was time for a change. And that's what he said. I left it at that. I didn't want to get into any details or or have him, you know, not that he would have him bad mouth anybody. And I, that wasn't what I was trying to get out of him. But he just said it was time for him to leave. And and I could I only thing I could think of is the relationship between the players and the coach is what made him eventually leave because he scored the points. He had the green light to do what he wanted. He played all the minutes in the game. Um, you know, so that's just a, it just, it actually hurt my heart when I found that out that he was leaving, man. It just was something to look forward to because the kid really had three more years. If you wanted to play with us three more years of Malik Wilson would have been pretty special. I think. Yeah. Uh, in any time, and you know, I'm bringing up his high school stats here, but anytime a kid walks into a state championship game and drops a quadruple double, <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's a kid that you want in your locker room. No question about it. You know, Brad, we've appreciated you coming on with us. It's always good to talk to former players and coaches, you know, to hear, hear the stories from, you know, the glory days, like, as we like to say, talk about your, your Southside basketball team for 2021. Talk about your summer camps, where people can get information on that, all that good stuff. Man, first of all, I just want to thank you guys again, man, for bringing me on. I love what y'all are doing, man. It gives me a little platform to uh, come back and, and speak on my playing days. And anytime I do interviews, it just makes a person like myself feel good that, you know, we still remember what we did. And, you know, that hard work that you did all them summers and growing up, it paid off. And people are still talking about it today, 20 years later, you know. So uh, speaking on Southside basketball, man, we're building, man. We have a really special group of uh, seven sophomores that will all be juniors next year. So I have two more years with these kids that are really buying in. Um, we, we're going to have two or three guys that are going to be probably, I don't know how, how high major uh, or how high a level of college, but there we're going to have some college signees in the next couple of years. Uh, those kids are really buying in. We have a really, uh, really uh, eventful June. The month of June is summer league for high school basketball. We're going to be playing all over the state of Louisiana. We're going to take them to Shreveport. We'll take them to Baton Rouge, New Orleans. We have a couple of local uh, summer league deals that we'll do here as well with them. So just getting that team camaraderie built with those uh, juniors because they didn't play that much this year. Those sophomores didn't get to play that much. Most of my seniors played a lot, uh, but now it's turning the torch over to these guys and they really buying into being a complete team, you know? Um, and then speaking on our summer camps and stuff, man, this is a, a, a summer full of basketball for us. We start off summer basketball with Brad Boyd basketball, shoot the rock basketball camps. You can find all information on that on bradboydbasketball.com, uh, June 7th through 10th. June 21st through 24th. And then we have a chance 
Pacific camp, July 13th through 15th. Alongside that, my wife, man, and my sister-in-law run a Indiana Bitty Basketball, and we have a great Bitty Basketball summer league that I help them out. I can't take the credit for Bitty Basketball. That's not my work. I'm just there as a helper. My wife, Blair, Broadhead Boy, does an amazing job. Like I said, during the regular season, we have a 1,000 kids in our program. During the summer leagues, we usually have about two or 300 kids do the summer league. So you can find out information of the Indiana Bitty Basketball Summer League on AcadianaStores.com. Um, and check us out in the TBT, man. We'll be competing in the TBT late July. Uh, not sure of the regional what that we're going to attend yet, uh, but check those guys out. We have Frank Bartley, Bryce Washington, Corey Davis from Lafayette. I uh, just got off the phone earlier with Sean Long. He's going to be spending some time with his family. He's not going to be able to play with us this year, but uh, just a guy, uh, you know, those guys that that, that want to come back and mess with Brad Boyd, man. I just have a good relationship with everybody, man. It's just a solid thing to do. And uh, it's just the person I am, man. Like I said before in the interview, it just, you know, I'm just a really relatable person, man. We could talk about any types of things and I'm going to find a way or I'm going to find out somebody that knows you and then we're going to draw that connection and we're going to be good to go probably for life. You know, and most of the people I've known since the beginning of time are still people that these days that call me and we talk about different things, you know. So that's kind of a wrap on the basketball side of things for me and our camps and our what we do all this summer and, and Southside basketball. If you get a chance next year, come to Shark Tank, uh, come check out Southside, man. We play a very, very competitive schedule. No gimme games on our high school. Uh, Brad's not trying to get 25 wins every year to set his records and wins. We're trying to make these teams better and compete against the best, you know. So just check us out. Whenever you can, bradboybasketball.com, katianastars.com, and uh, southsidehighschool.org. Hey, if, if your gym's called the Shark Tank, I got to get in on this. Shark Tank, that's dope. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> I've got yeah, awesome. to get in on that. You but guys yeah. let me know, man. You guys let me know. I'll give you the schedule next year. You guys let me know when you want to come by. Hey. Check Games Br- and, uh, Brent, let me come get happen. some shots up in the gym, man. I'm trying to find anytime, man. I, I listen. I'm a shooter. <laughs> I'd, I'd just, actually be I'd down just, for that. Listen, we got a great floor. The wood floor is amazing. We have an amazing wood floor. I just put in two brand new gyms, kind of 360 torque type of rim. They they, they play in college where the rims kind of bend side to side and front and back. Um, so it's been an advantage for us. Sometimes other teams shoots well too, you know. So you got to. <laughs> for that putting those nice rooms in the gym but it's a very very phenomenal gym anytime bro anytime you want to come over to the shark tank get shots up all you gotta do is give me a holler and we're gonna make it happen hell yeah thanks brad all right brad we appreciate you thank you guys man good luck to y'all thanks